0: It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitten Madness. And here he goes, defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games all across the Mitten State. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Hello there, good morning. Welcome into Mid Madness 95.3
1: WBCK. My name is Jacob Harrison. I'm the brand manager of BCK. That is Dejon Hughes. He's the brand manager of 1025-1049, the block there in Battle Creek. And we've got a lot to get into with the Lions having one more home playoff game and maybe another one on the way. We'll see how that goes. Uh, We've got Jim Harbaugh talk, a lot more to catch up with around uh, Detroit sports as well because we haven't had the chance to talk about the Red Wings or the Pistons in a while. Uh, So we'll get into all of that throughout the show here for the next hour. But before we do that, as we always do, DJ, man, how's
2: it going? I'm good. Obviously, my Packers pulled out another one over Mike McCarthy, and we now have more wins, more playoff wins at AT&T Stadium than Dallas Cowboys do. So that is officially Lambeau Field South. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the Lions won, so I'm happy for them as well. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm feeling good. I can't, I can't be upset. I just don't, I, I truly don't want to win this week. We'll, we'll get into that later <laughs> on when we talk about the NFL. <laughs> but I, I don't want to win this week. That, that's that's kind
1: of funny. Uh, I think it would be quite... Poetic if the Packers had to come to Ford Field and play the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship, I think. Oh, that and would I'm be... saying
2: I don't want to win for the sake of my wallet. <laughs> oh, the temptation, temptation. I'm going. <laughs> it's right. Th- that's the biggest game in Lions history, at least in my lifetime. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and I'm right down the road, and they're playing my team.
1: Who? sure? Who the last time they were in that stadium won the game convincingly? <laughs> convincingly might, I, might I add, Thanksgiving no re- was a was a sucker punch.
2: There would be no reason <laughs> not to go to that game,
1: and that really was the game that that kind. Uh, sparked the run that the Packers are on right now so uh, Jordan Love has
2: been insane by the way to stare down that defense down in Dallas and, and do what he did oh boy he has some like 27 touchdowns in one pick in the last nine games or something like that it's like, not surprising it's been
1: unreal uh, what, what's it like to have back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks and then and then the third one come in and I was gonna say, be is, pretty good this is all I've known <laughs> this Cause cause is all I've known so because
2: I it's a Packers fan Like that's the only way I ugh. can describe it to you like it's just being a Packers fan
1: because I'm struggling over here DJ so uh, <laughs> step in.
2: We've gone from Barf, who I despise at this moment for the things he's done as a person, to Aaron Rodgers, to Jordan Love. <laughs> I, I only know
1: great quarterback. Yeah, well, I only club. know good head coaching. Uh, the quarterbacking thing is not caught up, you know, but the Steelers, I don't know, they frustratingly made it interesting against the Bills. So, uh, but Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere. That rumor's put to rest. So I'm happy about that. I do love Mike Tomlin as much as he can frustrate me with uh, with some of his stuff, but he's already promised to hire an out-of-house out of uh, offensive coordinator the last Last time he did that was Todd Haley. That's surprising, uh, but y'all don't want to hear about the Steelers. Y'all want to hear about the Lions. Uh, so let's get into it. The Lions pull off the victory, twenty four to twenty three, over the Los Angeles Rams. That game was that game was everything that you kind of envisioned it could be. You know, all the storylines that played into it uh, w- between Stafford and Goff, and as well as it being the first home playoff game. Uh, the Ford Field fans set an indoor decibel record in the process. Uh, there are Rams t- players who have told Buccaneers players that it was the loudest thing they had ever heard and that is mightily impressive and I've I've been in Ford Field the only time I've ever been in Ford Field was to watch Metallica play and it got really loud in there Uh, and it sounds like it got even louder for the Lions as they took it to the Rams managed to hold on and win by a point I think there was a missed extra point by the the Rams at some point in the game and that was the difference now they stared down a Sunday matchup for the right to go to the NFC championship against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who beat the uh, Super Bowl runner-up Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles, in a very convincing fashion, the Eagles really, really fell off. Uh, the Bucks kind of stumbled into the playoffs and then drew probably the best card you could, and that was playing the Eagles, who, I mean, just are a shell of themselves. There's going to be a lot of changes there, which is very interesting for a roster that is so stacked. Uh, but the Bucks come in, and there's already some trash talk here uh, between former NFC Central rivals, as C.J. Gardner-Johnson kind of threw a dart at Baker Mayfield, saying that the combo of Mike Evans and those guys would really be dangerous if they had a good quarterback. What Gardner Johnson probably doesn't know is that last week when Mayfield brought his playoff record to now 2-1, and one, which is better than Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, by the way, since they were revived, one of the guys that he brought up was Russell Gage. Russell Gage hasn't played a single snap for them all year. He tore his knee up before the season started. And uh, when Mayfield brought his record to a now 2-1, he did it by throwing for 337 yards and three touchdowns against the Eagles, one of the better defenses regardless of who's calling their plays in the league. And he was the first Buccaneers quarterback to ever do that in a playoff game, 300 yards and three touchdowns. They just came back from Tom Brady. <laughs> they just, and they've had some solid quarterbacks in their playoff ventures before. I mean, Jeff Garcia used to throw for a lot of yards too. So I think CJ Gardner-Johnson may have lost out on this one. What, what's kind of your confidence level of the, the Lions now hosting back-to-back home playoff games, but playing a team in the Bucks that are a little bit scrappy, a little bit underdogish, And that's exactly the way
2: Baker Mayfield- Wants to play at quarterback. I mean, I think this game comes down to the Buccaneers defense more than the Lions defense. I think oh really? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the Lions can score, and we've seen that. So you have to make them uncomfortable. We've seen it with like the Bears beat the Lions. Why? Because their defense was all over them and made them uncomfortable, made Jared Goff very uncomfortable in Mm. the pocket and caused turnovers. Teams that allow them to play their game where they're able to run when they want, set up the play action, give Goff time in the pocket, they get shredded. So can the Bucks defense cause enough pressure on Jared Goff and the offensive line to disrupt the Detroit game plan. If they can't, they might as well kiss this game goodbye because they're probably going to break this decibel record they broke last week this week. It's going to be insane inside that building, and that's why I don't want the Packers to win because I don't (laughs) want to try and win an NFC Championship game in Ford Field. Huh? Huh? (laughs) Did you hear the last part of that sentence? NFC Championship game in Ford Field. Right. I don't want to be a part of that in any kind of way unless I am just happen to be cheering on the Lions because the Packers aren't there. That's the only way I want to be involved. That place is going to be crazy, and if the Bucks don't get to him early, this one might get out. I, I think you're absolutely right, because that was something the Rams couldn't do. I mean, from
1: play one, Goff was comfortable, and he was slinging the rock, and uh, he really only made one bad decision, and when did that bad decision come? When there was pressure in his face, and he kind of tried to push a, a pass out to, I think it was Montgomery, was out there, and the ball went backwards, and it was almost a turnover, and it could have been a really bad situation for the Lions. That's what you have to do to beat the Lions, because my first First thought was Mayfield and the Bucks are really good at throwing over the top of you and the one thing the Lions are really bad at even with CJ Gardner Johnson coming back is defending the pass over the top their corners are just not it they're they're not they're not ready for these types of uh, situations it's why you should be very concerned if you're a Lions fan if you do reach the Super Bowl and you have to play the Baltimore Ravens like th- I think that's like the, the the worst case scenario for Detroit if they get all the way and in this game I mean you're talking Mike Evans is still Mike Evans. Baker Mayfield is playing with extreme confidence, and now you're kind of feeding into that, and I think that is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. But like you said, I think the the aspect of this still being a home game for the Lions is monumental. I know that they wanted the opportunity to go back down to Dallas and get their win back after you know kind of getting screwed over, but the the fact that they get back to back home playoff games is not lost on them, and really and truly, you're able to kind of build momentum based off of the the card that you've been dealt you got a Rams team that was beatable that that I said last week i think they were well equipped to go all the way out of all of the wild card teams but a lot of their wins weren't quite as convincing as they appeared to be in that last final stretch and with the bucks sure they got the big win over the Eagles but the Eagles again shells of them for of their former selves and when you look to the week prior to that it was a touchdownless win over the worst team in the NFL the Carolina Panthers for the bucks so you really couldn't have draw, drawn a better hand here if you're the Lions on a path to the NFC Championship. Now, after that, yeah, that's when it's going to be difficult because you're either getting the Packers or the Niners who are two red hot teams. Um, the Packers have, have handed it to you most recently and on the other side of that, good luck to anybody thinking they're going to beat the Baltimore Ravens is, is all I'm going to say to that. But speaking of the defensive backfield, there is one topic that kind of came over from last week's game that is kind of surrounding Detroit right now and it's kind of because of the way Dan Campbell responded to a question about it. For the I believe second straight week or at least the second time here late in the season, Kirby Joseph has torn the ACL of a opposing end, TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota and this time it was Tyler Higbee. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the way that Dan Campbell responded to that as well as the fact that that's what Kirby Joseph is doing. I'm not saying he's a dirty player, but Matthew Stafford got in his face after the play and told him he was a dirty player.
2: Or it's not his fault because where else is a defensive back supposed to hit a player? I, I, I don't know what you want defensive backs to do. You can't hit them high. You can't like what else are they supposed to do? You can't get there too early. Can't get there too late. Can't hit them high only place they can hit them is low. Mm. So this is going to happen. And the, the bad part is, it's a lose-lose situation. Because if you ask receivers, as a former receiver, don't hit me in my legs. Yeah. I would tell you to take this hit out of the game. But at the same time, you can't not take the the hit out, the hit head hits out of the game. So then, at that point, where are they supposed to hit me? And if they hit me out of the air in, in my midsection, I'm either going to break a rib, or I'm just going to bounce off the tackle and keep running. So d- defensive backs' hands are so tied in these scenarios, and yet they're the dirty players. Like, there's nothing they can do about it. I think something
1: that gets lost on a lot of people and I played defense. Uh, Something that gets lost on a lot of people is that once you have committed to the way that you are going to hit somebody there's nothing else you can do. Uh, This happened in the the, not a similar situation or it was a similar situation not exactly the same thing in the Steelers game where Miles Jack hit Josh Allen on a slide. Well earlier in the game Josh Allen feigned as if he was slowing down in order to use a ball carrier move that sprung him for a 52 yard touchdown and plus Josh Allen's 6'5 240 pounds like he can take a hit and there was another moment where Patrick Peterson didn't hit him full force on a blitz because you're worried about getting penalized. If you play scared as a defender, you're going to get penalized and if you play overly aggressive, you're going to get penalized so why not just play overly aggressive and get the benefits of that instead of dealing with the consequences of not playing aggressively. I don't like the low hits any more than anybody else, but once Kirby Joseph commits to hitting low, there's nothing he can do about the fact that Tyler Higbee's right leg is the one that came down and was on the turf as he committed to the to the hit. Because if Higbee's right leg is up and his left leg is down, he he just gets blown up and it's a it's a highlight reel play Higby gets up and plays the next down and nobody's talking about this but just because of the happenstance of the, the rhythm at, that he was running and when Kirby Joseph commits to the hit I would say this for any defender by the way is you know if, if this happened to a Lions player I would say the same thing there's just not a lot defenders can do when they're going 15 17 18 miles an hour and they have to collide into a 240 pound man at full speed and they've already committed to the way that they're going to hit you can't change that you know people lose sight of how athletic incredible athletes are, but that makes them think that they're capable of doing superhuman things when really what they do is just extraordinary and kind of just place these things a little bit more realistically. And I think we can anticipate better out of what to expect from defensive players in the NFL because it's already hard enough as it is. All right, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jim Harbaugh, his contract situation where he could end up and maybe some ramifications if he does end up leaving Michigan here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. (laughs) 5.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and DeJon Hughes. A lot going on with your old ball coach down there in uh, Ann Arbor as Jim Harbaugh is interviewing with a handful of teams. He uh, interviewed with the Los Angeles Chargers, a team that he played for when he was in the NFL. He interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons who appear to be uh, very heavily interested in Bill Belichick which I think is just hilarious for the 28-3 memes. Uh, And I believe he's also got some interest from the Giants which is interesting because I didn't think they fired their head coach. I could be out of the loop on something here. Uh, or maybe this just isn't a trusted source that I'm looking at. Uh, either way, when it comes to Jim Harbaugh and kind of looking at a $69 million contract in the eye and saying nah, uh, and looking back at the NFL and saying, I want that Super Bowl. We talked about it a little bit last week. I mean, is this really the right move for Jim Harbaugh? I don't know. But I can see the allure, and especially when you look at that Chargers job, because there's a lot of talent down there in LA. Uh, The Atlanta job, not so much Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me uh, and that one seems pretty well skewed towards uh, Bill Belichick but there's uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of rumors going on right now when it comes to that but if you had your choice out of these two that are kind of sparking up a little bit here with Harbaugh and you know that he's gone and you know he's not coming back I mean where do you want to see Harbaugh fit in the NFL with the Falcons and Desmond Ritter or maybe even a different change there or with Harbaugh and uh, you're kind of giving me that look like yeah this is a dumb question of course you know it's Justin Herbert the Chargers
2: no I just don't care. I don't care (laughs) oh if he's gone you're you're dead to me (laughs) not not necessarily dead but like if he leaves Michigan like I don't care for him as a coach anymore not because Uh. you know he's not he's just not my coach anymore so it's like you're going to the NFL you now are a competitor Mm. you know you're you're not coaching any of my team you're not going to coach Packers and you're not coaching the Wolverines anymore so like I wish you well in your in your future endeavors but like that's it. I wish you well. Yeah. you're now... Thanks for the memories. We're done here. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much what it is. It's not hard feelings, but it's just like Jim Harbaugh's a good coach. Wherever he goes, he's bound to have some kind of success. If it's one of my teams, I'll cheer for him with the utmost and highest, you know, regards. And if not, I go, hey, I hope he does well. And that's it for me. I know a lot of Michigan fans are like super bent up on this and what could happen or what might not happen. And like the way I'm looking at it is I can't control any of this. He's interviewing and he's going to make a decision. And I gotta rock with it. That, that, that's it. That, that's how this goes for me. So that's not too mature make, for sports
1: radio, DJ. I'm sorry, but I'm not <laughs> gonna
2: try and make any. You know, like, do I want to try and guess and say that he's gonna stay? Of course, because that's what I want. But like, it's also ludicrous to do that because I, I don't. I'm not even anywhere near him to know what he's thinking. I just want to be optimistic about it. Hope he returns to the maize and Blue, and if not, then I wish him the best. If he doesn't
1: come back to Michigan and does take an NFL job uh whether it's atlanta or la or or wherever else where does that leave michigan because the coaching carousel has already happened in college football and you know say what you want about alabama's situation with nick saban and now kalen deboer uh kalen deboer has signed a lot of head coaching candidates to his staff down there in tuscaloosa Uh, and on the the same side of that as i mentioned. The carousel is largely done. If Michigan is this late in the game with an opening at the head coaching position, it kind of leaves them in a weird spot. Uh, what do you think is kind of the the best course if they have to traverse those waters in finding a new head coach?
2: Uh, I guess in house is what you want to do, like because they do kind of already have that mentality going of what it what it takes to get it done and how the Michigan way, I guess. Um, From the last few years, but anytime you have turnover, things completely change and it's all just dependent on do they want to try and keep some of the players they have now and, and add to that and your best chance of doing that is promoting in house. Because once you go out of house, you're probably going to lose a lot of those kids. But at the same time, a lot of those kids might be committed to hardball. So they might leave anyway. Like, at that point, it's just picking the best guy. So I don't really care. You know, just if you're going to leave out of the program, go get someone who is established and has proven themselves as a college coach or, or an NFL coach and, and knows what kind of program they're walking into. But I would probably lean toward promoting in-house because it's just set up to continue the trend that you already have. As a lot of these underclassmen are used to that kind of team. Yeah,
1: I would agree with that, and especially considering the fact that this team did have to play in six games without Jim Harbaugh. Uh, there's kind of proof in the pudding that they can't exist without him. Uh, but I will say, in, in further comparison to what's happening in Tuscaloosa right now, Tuscaloosa is reeling because when you're head, when you have a head coaching change, the portal opens up for your team for 30 days, which is mind-boggling. This the the rules. The timings of all of these things are just astronomically dumb. These things should exist in college football, but they should just make significantly more sense than than what they do right now. Uh, the five-star quarterback uh, Julian Saein, who signed in this class for the Crimson Tide, is already in the transfer portal. Uh, their number one receiver Isaiah Bond, who caught the uh, Gravedigger fourth and thirty-one pass to beat the Auburn Tigers in the Iron ball. he's in the transfer portal. There's, tran- there's dudes. Caleb Downs is one of the best. Freshman to ever play college football at the safety position. Uh, if you remember the guy that almost intercepted the first play of the game in the Rose Bowl, he's in the transfer portal. And There's just nothing that, that Alabama could do about it. And it's very frustrating. And what I'm why I'm bringing all this up about my team is, is to say if you lose Harbaugh, it's likely to happen to you too. Uh, I I kind of asked you before the show though. I wonder if the culture in Michigan is slightly different because they've already had to experience life without Harbaugh. They've already kind of seen what what it what it looks like in a championship season. And maybe that helps. But at the same time, I mean, we've got former players in Alabama saying, dude, we only came here because of Nick Saban in the first place. You think we came here just because the script a looks cool because the crimson uniforms are awesome. Like, no, we came here to play for Nick Saban. And if Saban wasn't there, we'd go somewhere else. Because that's how most college football players operate. Uh, Anyone that goes to Oregon just because their uniforms look cool, they probably don't make the team after a couple of years, right? They're probably in the transfer portal for completely different reasons. So these are things that that you do kind of have to weigh if you do lose Jim Harbaugh. But I think there's plenty of reason to be confident that Michigan will continue to be a powerhouse in college football, especially with all the change that is happening. Uh, it's going to take a couple of years, I think, for Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA to acclimate themselves to how Big Ten football is played and to acclimate themselves to the the travel schedule that that is going to come with that and everything else. They're going to have to change the way that those programs are run from the ground up to, to get in step the Michigan's, the, the Ohio State's, and the Penn State's of this conference. But I do think that there should be plenty of reason to be confident that Michigan will continue to be a playoff caliber team and a championship caliber team. What's kind of your anticipation on that if Jim Harbaugh does leave? Can Michigan sustain the success that it's worked so hard and so long for to finally get up that mountain? Then you get to the mountaintop, and now the, the, the thing that helped get you up there is gone.
2: Uh, Sustain might be hard. uh, And and I don't know if you can sustain if Harbaugh leaves. Um, But I think they have a better chance than a lot of other colleges in in this scenario when it comes to football because the difference with Michigan because of how high profile of a school they are, they're like Stanford and Cal, like those kind of schools, where if you go, a large majority of that is because you want to go. Mm -hmm. So – you're there for more than just the coach. You're there for the school. You're there for the program. You're there for the the atmosphere, the ambience. That all of that was included in why you went there. Yeah. A lot of other college football programs are not like that. I agree. You're there for the coach, you're there for football. So if it's not set up that way, you leave. Transfer Portal has shown that. Michigan doesn't have a lot of kids transfer out. And it's mainly because they're there to go to Michigan. A lot of kids who go to Michigan, their parents, their grandparents, their cousins, aunts, whatever the case was, went to Michigan. It's a family thing. Or they were a kid who grew up in Ohio or Michigan and was like, I want to play football at the University of Michigan, so I'm going to do what I can to get there. Like These are kids who are invested in the university along with the football team. A lot of, a lot of places, guys are only invested in the football team. So when that football culture changes or that football team changes and they're not set up in the same position they were when they came in, they want to leave. And I get it. I just think some guys are still bought into Harbaugh because that's just how it goes. Some guys actually did come to the school for Harbaugh and the chances that he can help them get to the NFL and everything else. That's going to be a portion of this team. That's just facts. But I do think there's a – good portion of this team that wants to be in Ann Arbor, wants to play for Michigan. And and you hear it all the time, like, this is a Michigan man. That's what this team says about each other. Oh, that's a Michigan guy right there. That's a Michigan man. They know it's about more than just playing football. You represent a lot when you wear maize and blue. I think what's going to be very interesting
1: is to see what school manages to take advantage of these two Huge departures. Nick Saban retiring and Jim Harbaugh. I, I'm of the opinion that he's going to leave. I've, I I don't think you interview the way that he has been and still stay, especially with that Chargers job. That Chargers job is very, very alluring to him, I think. Uh but the the kind of the situation that Kirby Smart is in down in Georgia he can really really take advantage of of the complete chaos that college football is existing in right now and heading into 2024 which is a season of itself that has so much changing uh because we could have more we could have better rules in february on the back side of all of these changes uh concerning the the transfer portal the late recruitment period in December which is asinine in itself plus the 12 team playoff and all of the conference realignment if I'm Kirby smart I'm looking my chops and I am begging Jim Jim Harbaugh to to get out of Dodge because it just opens everything up for Georgia to continue its dynasty after uh, just barely missing the chance to go to the college football playoff this year in which I think they would have had a pretty strong chance of winning it all themselves even if they did have to face Michigan but All that in the uh, rear view or ahead, uh, depending on where you're looking at that from. So we'll get to it when we get to it and leave it in the past if we have to. Up next, we'll go around Detroit sports and uh, talk some Red Wings, talk some Pistons, update on what's going on there, and uh, set up for our picks in the final segment. This is Mitten Madness on 95.3
0: WBC. Detroit sports fans, Wolverines and Spartans alike. This is your sports show, Mitten Madness, with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK.
1: Madness 95.3, WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Let's uh, run through some Detroit sports as well as some college basketball stuff uh, just so that we touch all the bases because it's been a while since we've been able to talk Red Wings, Pistons, and uh, Wolverine Spartan basketball. Uh Let's start with the Red Wings. are 23, 16, and 5, 15, or excuse me, 15, Fifth in the Atlantic Division standings at the moment. Not too far behind there from Toronto, who they actually got the win over uh late last week or early in the week, I should say. Uh, uh, DJ and I were both pretty wrong about that. Uh, they followed that up with a 3-2 to two overtime win over Florida uh, on the road. They've got, as we're recording, they've got Carolina on the road tonight uh, as we're recording on a Friday. Uh, Saturday they have off, and then it's Sunday with the Lightning. Uh, what's kind of what's got your interest right now when it comes to these uh, Red Wings? They're 14th in the ESPN Power Rankings, one ahead of the Penguins. I was joking with you earlier. I mean, the Penguins fans act like the program is burning to the ground and Red Wings fans have plenty of reason to be pretty ecstatic with where their team is at the moment. and It can only, uh, it can still really get better. Uh, Winnable games here to to close out January, but
2: also, you know, kind of tough matchups as well to prove yourself, such as the one on Sunday night against the Lightning. Yeah, I mean, I think the Red Wings are just in a position where the guys on the team are having a fun time. DVY is trying to bring in guys that fit into this group. Fans are happy to be back in downtown Detroit. They're happy to have a team playing good ball and everybody's turning out. They're banging the glass, they're yelling, they're throwing the octopus out like everything is exactly what detroit hockey has always been it's just not in the joe lewis so i think that the organization is just trying to ride this this ride or this wave that they found and and take it into the playoffs with momentum they're just focused on themselves and it seems like they're taking it one game at a time which is really all you can do in an 82 game long hockey season uh one aspect of this uh kind of coming up game against the lightning is whether or not
1: patrick kane will be able to come back uh dealing with a lower body injury not related to his hip um um, won't be available for the Carolina game as he is not available for the entire road trip from Toronto to Carolina, uh, but they're going to check on him when they get back to host the Lightning. We'll pick that Lightning game uh, in our pick segment in the next go of things here in just a little bit. We want to talk about the Detroit Pistons real quick. Uh, the Pistons did pick up a win uh, since the last time we talked. They won that Wizards game that we chose not to pick, uh, but they are 4-37. and 37. Uh, Win percentage is under .1, guys. They are 24 games back from the Milwaukee Bucks which is who they will play tonight. As you are listening uh, set or not tonight, they'll play the the bucks at 3 p.m. On Saturday uh, says a lot when you're playing an afternoon game in the NBA uh,
2: Pistons, man, what, what's next for them? Where, where do they go from here? Um, in my opinion, you just got to finish out the year out strong for one. Um, and if they're going to keep Monty Williams, then he's got to figure out a way to figure out what works for this group. What fives do what together. And that should be his only project for the rest of the year, because that's his only job as a coach is to put the right five guys on the floor in the right moments and he's been very bad at doing that all year so he really needs to figure that out um but i think the team is fine i think the players are fine you start to really address um how things are going to go off season uh you know what is your training camp going to look like how are you doing player development who are you possibly moving up from your g league team what does your draft process look like are you going after anybody in free agency you start asking those questions now you start putting that plan together now because you're not going to make the playoffs you're not really sending anybody to all Star weekend like there's a whole lot of time and space for you to start hammering away things. So that what happened this year doesn't happen again next year.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a rough stretch. It looks like a lot of inconsistency too. You're just looking at the the scores, uh, you know, from the the I mean, nearly upsetting Boston in Boston was was you know uh, a fun way to end the year. Uh, and then of course getting that that win that was so desperately needed against Toronto, which I think actually came a little bit sooner than some people might have expected. Uh, but then you know the the blowout loss to Houston was unnecessary. Getting blown out by San Antonio was unnecessary. And then you really want to get that return game. Uh, last week against Houston didn't do it. Uh, But nonetheless, when you got a chance to play the Wizards, you got to come away with a W at this point. That's, you know, that's really playing at your level. Uh, This week, coming up, they've got uh, Milwaukee again on Monday. Charlotte, a winnable game Wednesday. And then again, next Saturday is going to be the Wizard game that that I believe you're going to, right, DJ, where uh, maybe they could pick up their fifth win of the...
2: Not the Wizards, uh, OKC.
1: Oh, you're going to the OKC game. Okay, well, uh, those three games, that three game stretch there, they got to win at least one of them. Uh, You'd think they they will you you think they should but you know (laughs) this has been (laughs) this has been that you hope they win one of
2: those right you don't think they should well you don't think they will you think they hope you you hope that's (laughs) that's the best thing you can do with a detroit pistons team right now is hope you know how optimistic i am like (laughs) yes i know (laughs) it's just
1: it's hard to find the optimism because we came in and we were like ah they should be pretty middle of the road and they are just they're just not and i can't for the life of me understand why you've explained it a couple of times but yet here we are getting to the michigan wolverine you want to go Wolverines or Spartans first? Uh, we can go Wolverines first. Okay. Just knock them out the way. <laughs> Oof. Oof is right. Coming off a loss to Illinois, 88-73, uh, after a win over Ohio State, broke a five-game losing streak uh, to get started. Just like
2: football. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think that broke out in Chrysler. Yeah,
1: uh, the, the women's team also beat game. Ohio State, too, yes. uh, around our, Christmas time. Our women's basketball team is actually really good. Yeah, they are pretty good. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, sitting at seven, 11 dead last in the Big Ten. Uh, What's got to change here? I mean, basketball is is a rough sport here up in the Minton State for... Jawan got to go. Uh Uh-oh.
2: And there's nothing against him. He, he has bits and pieces But I think he's a better NBA coach in college And he might even be A better like assistant coach And that's nothing against him He has the pieces To be a good coach But in college It takes a certain kind of coach And he's not really that um, And you just kind of Seen it with the way That players have developed Under him I think there's a reason Hunter Dickinson left Like Dickinson got better But he didn't get Tremendously better Like he should have He should have been Dominating the game As a 7 foot guy And he like was But he wasn't At the same time So it's kind of just That piece for me And Juwan isn't doing enough To put these guys In success, uh, successful spots And then of course there's allegations with Jawan and other things that have gone on so it's kind of just time to set a new president and and a vibe with the basketball program
1: do do you think that's a mid-season deal or is that a no you might just let this one go
2: might as well finish this one out we're not even going to make the NIT most likely um so just finish this one out and do your thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, you'd have to have a stark turnaround to, to get to that space. Uh, coming up for them, they've got, <laughs> oof, ouch. They are on the road in Purdue in a couple of days. Then they've got Iowa. That's not an easy task, whether they're ranked or not. And then they're on the road in East Lansing to close out the first month of January against the Spartans. Uh, just not an easy road whatsoever. You're you're probably not wrong about the NIT comment, uh, but you're Michigan. You're, your name should never be at the bottom of a Big Ten standing in literally any sport. There's there's really next to no excuse about that. I'm sure they'll improve. I'm sure they'll pick up some Big Ten wins where they can against the likes of uh, Rutgers and I don't know Nebraska, Penn State, but uh, well, they don't play Penn State again, but you know and they lost to him, So it, it's just rough going all the way around for the Wolverines. Maybe a little bit brighter spot is over in East Lansing where the Spartans are putting some wins together, uh, but still not necessarily, you know, anywhere near where they wanted to be, but they are 11 and Seven. They are kind of middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Uh, Five game winning streak from Baylor to Penn State was disrupted by Northwestern and Illinois, both on the road. Came back home. Dubs over Rutgers and Minnesota, which are uh, you know Rutgers is down there with Michigan at the bottom of the standings. They've got Maryland and Wisconsin on the road here in the over the
2: next week. What's up with the the Spartans? Um, I think Thomas course has run. Um, he's great. I think it's kind of like a saving thing. We're like Michigan State is still going to make the NCAA tournament. Like they're eleven and seven, but when you look at their caliber of games, they're going to get granted some some respect for their losses because a handful of those are ranked in the top 10, top 5 losses. They're going to give you some respect for that. They're going to find their groove in the Big 10 because they always do. That's what Michigan State does. They're going to make the playoffs. But like at this point, it's kind of like that position where Tom Izzo's done his thing. He's won a couple national championships. He's been to plenty of Final Fours. He's created tons of NBA players. It's just time for him to enjoy his life and, and move on to another sector. Um, and then, you know, just a new president, I think, is time for college basketball in the state of Michigan because um, for whatever reason the best team in the state is Western Michigan University and like it's been a long time since the Broncos were the best basketball team in the state so it, I think it's just time for new all around.
1: Yeah uh, being so close to, to Kalamazoo it might be high time that we actually start paying more attention to them rather than the Wolverines and the Spartans it might only just be the the fair outcome I, I kind of look at the the remaining schedule for the Spartans th- there might be a backdoor for them to squeak into the tourney uh, you know kind of looking forward to, to Izzo getting a 700th career win here in the next couple of weeks but yeah uh, tough times for the sport of basketball outside of Kalamazoo here in the mitten state but we got to cover it all whether it's good or bad and hey for the most part things are a lot better than they usually are so we'll take that and uh and move ahead with it we've got our picks we've got the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and more in those picks next here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK
0: 95.3 WBCK <laughs>
1: Madness, 95.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes getting set up for our picks. Uh, we've got the four divisional round playoff games, which will all be here on WBCK. Uh, the Saturday games start at 4.30. I believe the uh, actual start of pregame will start at 4 today on BCK. Tomorrow, things will kick off at 2.30 pregame for Detroit and Tampa. All playoff games here on 95.3 WBCK. Leading up to and through Super Bowl
2: fifty-eight, so DJ, update them on the standings. Where are we at? Last week we had a very tough week, splitting Mm. right down the middle, four and four for the each of us. So we didn't move anywhere. You're still four games behind me. I'm eighty-nine and thirty-nine on the year, and you're close behind, eighty-five and forty-three. All right, first game up. We've got
1: uh, NBA action on Sunday night, eight p.m. Indiana Pacers on the road to take on the Phoenix Suns. These are two of the uh, more fun teams in the NBA, so I uh, saw this one on the schedule, wanted to check it out. Uh, Pacers do have a lot of guys on the injury report, all of them game time decisions uh, for Friday night, but I'm assuming that they should be back after that, so we'll see if they're able to get back and healthy in time for this one, but uh 56% chance for the Suns to win this one at home against the Pacers. Pacers,
2: one of the highest scoring teams in in the NBA. DJ, who's going to win it? This one's very tough for me. Uh, I think this one, that what we're looking at in terms of the game cast and everything is based upon all of the injuries that you see there in the uh, injury report for the Pacers. The biggest two, Pascal Siakam, obviously awaiting his um, awaiting his physical and all the physicals for everybody who was traded in that trade. Once those are all good, he'll be able to play. And Tyrese Halliburton uh, also facing some uh, lower, lower extremity issues, uh, which is normally the case with basketball players anyway. And And as long as those two are able to go, this should be a good game, which I think they will. Um, And then the bigger question on the opposite side is, are all of the Suns' big three going to play? And if they do, this is going to be a fantastic game. Um, But I I really think the travel and and things like that and the up and down with Tyrese Halliburton, Pascal Siakam, and in that new Pacers lineup is really going to factor into this. So I got to take the Suns. I think this
1: will be a fun game. Uh, We're not quite to that point yet where football season is over and I can shift focus into these other sports. So, uh, not going to lie, I put this one on just to take the opposite one from you.
2: (laughs) I'm going to take the Pacer. Oh, so you're just trying to get back (laughs) in? I just got to get
1: games. I'm either going to fall behind or I'm going to catch ground. I mean, I'm not mad at you. Before (laughs) we get over
2: into the NFL, which is what everybody's looking forward to this weekend, uh, we're going to get onto the ice. We picked a Weddings game last weekend. We did not do well. with that as we picked the maple leafs and they went in and took care of business. The Lightning are coming to town and the Wings are 11 and 7 and 1 at home so far this year. They look very good at home. The Lightning are the Lightning though and they're always Stanley Cup favorites. Do the Wings have what it takes to put these guys away here at Little Cedars Arena or are uh, is the strike or is Lightning going to strike midnight here in in Detroit?
1: Uh well, Light- I think you were about to say is Lightning going to strike twice and that's be uh, you had to come off of that because Lightning didn't strike the first time because uh, the Red Wings won this uh, the first game in the series back in October and Detroit is actually a game ahead of Tampa Bay in the division standing. So I'm actually uh, I'm going to do the the safe bet thing think that this is a you know, especially if Patrick Kane comes back, uh, which I'm, ge- I'm getting the impression that he's going to uh, Red Wings, I think are going to go on a tear after that. Uh, so give me the Red Wings over the Lightning emphatic win here in the middle of the season.
2: I'm also going to take the Wings. I'm a Wings fan. I like things that have been going on uh, with the wings recently. and I really like how happy they are out on the ice. They look like they're enjoying this. They're enjoying themselves and the fans are coming back out in droves to support. Uh, So Little Caesars Arena is going to be rocking that. Joe Lewis Horn is going to go off a couple times and the wings are skating off of the win. All right, into
1: the NFL playoffs. Uh, I think this is probably the the surprising matchup. Not going to lie. I did not expect the Packers to be here, but they are uh, and they're playing really good football, but they have to go on the road again to San Francisco and play Arguably the best team in the NFL. Uh, the Niners are 12 and five, uh, and they had the bye week. They're healthy. Uh, the exception to that is maybe Dre Greenlaw, uh, but he should be back, and that means that effectively puts the Niners at full strength. Uh, they are nine and a half point favorites on Friday afternoon. That is thick. Eighty and a half percent chance to win for the 49ers. Can your Packers pull it off down there at Levi Stadium?
2: Uh, I. I am not going to say the Packers are going to pull this off. This is mostly a selfish pick because I do not want to go into Ford Field and try and win an NFC Championship game there. That's just bananas in, in my mind, but also truly, I, I really think that the 49ers defense is going to get after Jordan Love and make him uncomfortable, and that's going to be hard. And I don't trust, I don't know if I trust our defense to shut them down. They have so many options. San Fran is a favorite for a reason, so uh, I'm going to go with uh, a big favorite here in the 49ers. 49ers. Yeah, I
1: thought of it too late to, to look up the stats, but uh, if memory serves, the Niners are a kryptonite of the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have not traditionally done very well against the Niners in the postseason. There is that part of me that wants to pick the Packers uh, just to be contrarian and, and just because there is that chance, and they were so surprisingly good against Dallas, and I thought very confidently that Dallas would handle business against the Packers, and the Packers are on such a run. I mean, the four-game winning streak that they should very well be proud of, but I think it all ends here. I'm going to take the 49ers.
2: Moving on Bucks and Lions. The game that I don't know what to think. Like I couldn't believe the Bucks played so well last weekend against the Eagles and Baker Mayfield threw for 330, even though I figured that they would do something like that. Um, and then the Lions are just the Lions. They've been absolutely tearing it up this year. They have that Cinderella kind of story magic behind them. The fans are going crazy. Half the country wants them to win. Are they going to win a again this week. Did the Bucs play so well or did the Eagles play so bad? You tell me. I think that's the difference. Um,
1: I think the Eagles played that badly. Now, that said, I like the Bucks. I've been singing the Bucks praises since the beginning of the season, haven't I, DJ? I said all along they, sh- they, could- they should and probably would win the division, uh, and it probably wouldn't be pretty, but they-, they did. They did it just that way, too. Ugly, ugly fashion. Here's the thing. If Detroit went into Carolina in the last week of the season, they would have hung 30 or 40 points on them. Tampa didn't do that. I've Fully acknowledge and, and agree with what you said at the beginning of the show that if Tampa's defense is able to put pressure on Jared Goff, it's the same thing every time. If you can put pressure on Jared Goff and hit big passing plays. You can beat the Lions. Here's the thing. Tampa can hit those big passing plays. I am not so sure that they can hit uh, Jared Goff consistently enough to disrupt him and change the game up in a severe enough fashion to walk away with the win. That said, even if they are able to do that, they definitely can't stop David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs who are still, I, I feel like they get better and better each week. So, yes, the Lions, I think, are going to be heading to San Francisco next week to play the 49ers in the NFC Championship, giving the Lions.
2: You know I'm picking the Lions as well. I've really liked the way they've looked this year, and I can't trust too many people to come in and beat them at home considering uh, that place is going to be absolutely rocking. And any place that's selling 200 dollars on a standing room-only ticket is looking for a win. So I'll take the Lions as well as another game at home. Yeah, uh, for the second straight week, the a ticket at Ford Field
1: is the most expensive ticket in the NFL uh, you could theoretically go on out to Baltimore though uh, reasonably priced tickets there, tickets as low as 72 bucks, that is not my game, Your my game is Chiefs-Bills, uh, let's get into this one, it, you know, it kind of felt like this is one that the NFL wanted a little bit Bills are two and a half point favorites 57% chance to win oh by the way, they're hosting um, and it's not fun to play in Buffalo when the weather is as cruddy as it is Uh, expected to be 20 degrees uh, real temp there at kickoff. Um, Who do you got between the Bills and the Chiefs? First playoff game on the road for Patrick Mahomes.
2: You just said a big factor here. First playoff game on the road for Patrick Mahomes. He's never been in this scenario. Only played at home or in neutral sites. And the other piece is Buffalo might be the hottest team in the NFL right now. They haven't lost in forever. They're playing really good football on both sides. And they got my man Rasul Douglas, who is kind of been the changer like he got there and things flipped for them their defense really started to pick it up and they started to win games I gotta go with trends I like Buffalo I like Buffalo as well they
1: finally get over the hump and I don't think I don't think it's I think it's worth mentioning that Mahomes is playing in his first road playoff game but I don't think it's like a factor at all I think Mahomes all year has played as well as Mahomes always does ain't nobody catching the ball uh that that's gonna be a significant problem so uh that's a problem that gets exacerbated in the cold. Now, that being said, they ran the ball very, very well against the, the the Dolphins, which really threw me for a loop. So if you can run the ball against Buffalo, this game is going to be a lot, lot closer uh, than than maybe I'm kind of expecting it to be. But again, I think the Bills are too hot, too good, and too ready to, to go to the AFC Championship. And I believe they would be hosting. No, they would not. The number one seed, obviously, is still alive. Uh, so who is going to be hosting?
2: Uh, you've got the, the Houston-Baltimore game up next. I mean, this one is is probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Um, you have the Texans with CJ Stroud and, and a ton of rookies and, and young players around him who have been absolutely electric, really kind of on both sides of the ball, making it happen for their fans down in NRG Stadium, which it was electric to see them, you know, in that home environment to close things out. But they are facing the one seed in the Ravens who have rested. Have Lamar Jackson, who's having an MVP-like season. The defense has been unreal all year. Can they go over into Baltimore and get out of there with a victory? No. <laughs> uh, the Ravens
1: are the best team in the NFL. Um, and I think legitimately, there are only three teams left in the playoffs. Not that there are many teams left in the playoffs, but there are only three teams in the playoffs that can legitimately beat the the Ravens. And that is the the 49ers, the Bills, and the Lions. Uh, notice how those are the teams that I took. And the Baltimore Ravens could easily thrash any of them because, oh, by the way, they have thrashed all of them. <laughs> no, uh, I I very much enjoyed watching the Texans all year long. CJ Stroud is a dude. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch for years to come in the NFL. Love Will Anderson, one of my favorite Alabama players of all time. The job that D'Amico Ryan's done down there. Fantastic. But y'all ain't ready for what Baltimore Ravens are about to bring.
2: Yeah, I like Lamar Jackson this year to really like prove a lot of people wrong. A lot of things they've said about him already. And that Ravens team has just been good. Amazing and what he can do with an actual receiving core. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they've just been good all around so I'm taking the Ravens as well with that being said we're both going 49ers Ravens Lions Bills and Wings I've got the Suns and you've got the Pacers get us on out of here for an amazing weekend
1: (laughs) funny how that worked I led with trying to go contrarian so that I could catch up and then we (laughs) stuck the same on everything else uh later today here on 95.3 WBCK starting at four o'clock we will get the weekend full of NFL playoffs going here on the station with Baltimore and Houston up first. All playoff games will air uh, throughout the postseason. Tomorrow things kick off at 2.30 with the Lions and Tampa Bay Buccaneers and as I mentioned, every single postseason game leading up to and through the Super Bowl, including whatever they do for the Pro Bowl. We'll have that on the air as well. So uh, keep it locked in all postseason long here to 95.3 WBCK. DJ and I will be back next week for Mitten Madness to wrap up however that Lions game goes and continue talking to all sports here in the state of Michigan. See you next week here on 95.3
0: WBCK. Join Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.